are in a series called Heaven, Hell, and Hope. And we are in part two of Heaven, and Mark preached an amazing word last week. If you haven't heard it, please go to our website. Please go listen to it, because it was fantastic. But he essentially positioned Heaven for us, and that it would be never-ending and ever-increasing with satisfaction, because Jesus will be there that we will be in the presence of Jesus, that it's not the absence of fear, it's not the absence of pain which makes heaven so special, but it is the presence of Jesus. And so tonight we uh, jump off from that point, knowing that there is this glorious thing that awaits us called heaven, but it actually needs to impact how we live our daily lives, if heaven is so good. And so my, uh, the title of my preach tonight is The Homecoming. And I wanna say is, we are not home yet. Will you turn to your neighbor right now and say, we are not home yet? Okay, you're going to have to do that a little bit more excited because it sounds like you have an arduous journey on the way. There we go. But we're going to be reading from the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, please turn to that. Grab your phone out. Grab your notebook. But 1 Peter chapter 1. But to give us a little bit of context of what's happening here, Peter is writing Uh, to a bunch of Christians who are scattered around the globe, scattered around Laodicea and places like that, places we can't really pronounce the names of, but they are scattered and they are facing persecution by the Roman Empire. And there's this guy called Nero and he's one of the uh, Roman uh, emperors of that time. And essentially he set fire to a bunch of Rome and he blamed it on the Christians. They were the scapegoats of the day and they were facing this massive persecution from the Roman Empire for believing in Jesus Christ. And I can imagine they were facing all these pressures, and I promise you it was persecution like nothing else before. Some of what happened was they were um, dressed in animal skins and they were tortured for people's sport. Yeah, they were uh, thrown to wild dogs. They were paraded around the city for being a Christ follower. They were burnt at the stake and he would actually hang them on a cross and he would use them to light his garden parties. That is what it meant to be a Christ follower. And I bet all of you go, thank you, I'm in for that. No. It was persecution like nothing else. See, the Christians suffered all this persecution, but Paul is writing to them and he is trying to stir them with faith and he says, do not have fear in your heart. Take hope, the living hope of Jesus Christ, because you are not home yet. There is an inheritance that is waiting for you. There is an inheritance which is so much greater. And he's writing to these groups of Christians, and I can imagine he's writing to us during the pandemic, and he says, do not fear. Hold on to the living hope of Jesus Christ, because there is an inheritance that waits you and I. And so we're going to turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, and it says this, Open your Bibles with me. To God's elect, to God's chosen, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctification work of the Spirit to the obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with His blood. Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is His great mercy He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Say with me, perish, Perish. spoil, Spoil. or fade. fade. 
This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's close our eyes and pray. Yeah, Father, we just thank you tonight. We thank you that your presence is here, Lord. But I pray that we have an eternal perspective, Lord, that you are rewiring our minds, that you are refixing our gaze on you and on eternity, that we may see you clearly, that we may see the wonderful gift of heaven, the inheritance that you have given us, Lord, and that we are your sons and daughters. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. So we jumping off here and Peter is writing to these bunch of exiles and they are foreigners in that land. That is not their home country and he's writing to these people who are exiles. And what that means is they may know the traditions of the day, they may know the laws of that uh, home uh, country, but they are not those citizens. They subscribe to the rules, but they do not get the benefits of citizenship. And so they aren't actually able to get any benefits, get any of the honor, any of the praise of being those citizens. But Paul is writing to them and he's saying, take heart because there is a greater inheritance for you. And so the title of this preach is Homecoming. And I want you to think if you've ever had a matric dance, maybe some of you are still going to have a matric dance. I had this amazing matric dance plan in my mind. I want to tell you that I looked good that night. I looked great. I was in a, a really baggy gray suit I had a mohawk, now just picture it in your mind, and I was walking, uh, you can uh, peruse Facebook later, bring it back, thank you Josh, next week, coming with the mohawk, we're going to pray for hair tonight as well, but can you just picture it, a grey suit, coming down the red carpet, strutting my stuff, expecting this amazing night, and we talk about homecoming that whole year. We were talking about the matric dance. This was going to be the best thing ever. People were spending so much money on dresses, on looking good, on limousines, because this night was, is the highlight of the year. It is the highlight of the matrics. It is the highlight of that year, and we were talking about it like crazy. We were going to have the greatest party. We were going to have the greatest time, and it was good. I will say it was a great time. We spent some time with friends, but afterwards, we were all just a little bit like, yeah, that wasn't as great as we were expected. We spent all this money, we were prepared all this time, we spent all this effort and energy waiting for this thing, but it just didn't deliver. The gray suit that I wore was put back into the closet. The mohawk was thankfully put back into the closet as well. But all this, <laughs> thanks up, that's my wife, if anyone's wondering. But all this paled in comparison to the imagination that we had of this day to the imagination that we had of this day and I want to say is sometimes we have this perspective of heaven and it's so far in the um, so far in eternity that we actually do not take the pleasures and the benefits of having Jesus Christ right here and now 
See, we live for this view of eternity. Ah, I'm going to live my life. It's not going to have much impact. And one day when I get to heaven, then I may experience pleasures. And we don't really have a great view of what it is. But I promise you that it is greater than you can imagine. See, Paul's writing to these group of Christians and he's saying, you may have pleasures, you may be crushed by pleasures, you may be seduced by pleasures, but will you be fixed your eyes on Jesus? And my first point is this, heaven is not devaluing. See, he says to these group of believers that heaven, your inheritance, is imperishable. We've learned during uh, the pandemic that the economies of today rise and fall. We put our faith, we put all our money and effort into investments in all these things, but we've learned that businesses can close in an instant. Our economies can rise and fall in an instant. But there's one thing that does not change, and that is heaven. Heaven is imperishable. We live in a society where we want the instant and we want the more. You just need to look at a millennial or a Gen Z scrolling on Instagram. They spend 30, like a half a second on a video before they scroll to the next. They want the more. You can watch Josh during his lunch break. <laughs> but we live in this economy where we constantly want the next greatest thing. We constantly want something better. We constantly want to achieve that thing. We're hoping for that homecoming dance that is going to be the greatest thing. And we're spending money. We're preparing. We have all these ideas in our head. But actually, that it is devalued. It changes its value all the time. We've learned in this global pandemic that we live in a world of change. We live in a world of constant flux. And that is not constant, it's not stable. But there is one thing that is, and that is the economy of heaven. See, the economy of heaven never devalues. The economy of heaven never changes. The economy of heaven is constant always. Why? Because Jesus is there. Jesus never devalues. And I want to say tonight, sir or ma'am, will you put your trust in the living hope that is Jesus Christ? Why can I say that heaven will never change? Heaven will always be constant because it is who God is. See, in his character character there's this amazing word called the immutability of God and I know it's a big word for this evening but what it essentially means is that God can never be more or less God God can never change from the essence of his being he can never be more God or less God he is just God he is just God in all of his essence in all of his characteristics in all of his grace in all of his power in all of his love it is always ever increasing it is never changing and we can put our hope in that heaven. Why? Because God's presence is there. Heaven is filled with God's presence. There is not a speck of heaven that does not have God's presence in it. And so we can put our hope in that heaven, a heaven that is never devaluing. See, heaven is based on God's character, and God's character never changes. This needs to change the way we live our lives. See, if we are not home yet, then we need to live with a perspective of heaven in mind. If God's character is never changing, then we can put our confidence, our faith, our trust in Him. Not in the circumstances of today, not in the economies that rise and fall, but we put our faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior. See, heaven never devalues, it never changes, because it would mean that God is not on the throne and that God does not reign today. I'm gonna to say that again. If heaven devalues, it means that God does not reign on high and that he has not conquered sin, has not conquered death, has not conquered all these things for your future. See, God is in heaven and God reigns on high and God's character never devalues. Secondly, heaven does not decay. 
Unfortunately, our mortal bodies, they get older. They get uglier. We are going to die one day. That is a fact of life. But in heaven, we are going to have a new body, the Bible says. And I'm really looking forward to that because I'll finally have a six-pack and some guns. I'm really looking forward to that. Why is my wife laughing? I'm wondering. <laughs> but see, when we are crushed by pressures and we are seduced by pleasures, we need to fix our hope, fix our lives in a heaven that does not decay. Yeah. See, everything is so perishable in today's life. We always want the next best thing. As soon as the new iPhone comes out, there's a latest iPhone that is already being launched and prepared. That is the economy of today. It's always changing. But the Bible says that heaven has an inheritance for us that is always constant and will never fade or perish. There's this amazing quote by a theologian called Charles Spurgeon. He says this, it is also called a living hope, the hope that we put in Jesus Christ because it is imperishable. Other hopes fade like withering flowers. The hopes of the rich, the boasts of the proud, all these will die out as a candle when it flickers in the wind. The hope of the greatest monarch has been crushed before our eyes. He set up the standard of victory too soon and has seen it trailed in the mire. See, these mortal bodies will perish and fade. Our bank accounts will perish and fade. The car that we drive will perish and fade. But one thing that will stand the test of time, one thing that is prepared for us in advance is in heaven, is in our inheritance, and is Jesus Christ. We see in Matthew, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Because treasures on earth, there's the moth, there's rust, there's all these things that perish. But we need to fix our eyes on Jesus and we need to remind ourselves that we are not home yet. Where are you storing up your treasures? From which vantage point are you living? Are you living from a vantage point of earth or are you living from a vantage point of heaven? Knowing that there is victory already. There's a little statistic that the typical person worries 156 hours in a year. 156 hours per year you are worrying. And they say that only 5% of those worries actually come to fruition. That means that 148 hours you are worrying, I am worrying for absolutely nothing. I am fearing this world for absolutely nothing. My time would rather be better spent watching an episode of the Kardashians. That's how pointless this is. But we get so caught up in the world, we get so caught up in the economies of today, in the values of today, and we fix our eyes on earthly things rather than on heaven, and our worries are on earthly things, and our trust isn't in heaven, and it's all for naught. And the Bible says, no, fix your eyes on Jesus, fix your eyes on the inheritance He has prepared for you, because it's imperishable. See, knowing that heaven awaits us needs to change the way we live here and now. It's not just one day when, it is here and now. See, this isn't a pep talk to say that you can do it because the reality is we cannot. But the reality is also that He has already done it. He has prepared a way for us. He has prepared an inheritance. He has prepared something for you. For you, sir and man, no matter what you have done last night, no matter what you have done in your past, he has prepared an inheritance for his sons and daughters. And it will never perish, spoil, or fade. This should encourage your heart tonight. There is something so much greater for you. There is so much, something so much greater for you and I that we have to look forward to, but it should inform the way we live. And it shouldn't just inform the way we live. It should transform the way we live. 
See, we can so often just be informed by the Word that we take it as a guideline, but we should be transformed by the Word of God. See, in heaven, we will be with Jesus, and Jesus will never perish, never spoil, never fade. We will be in His presence forever. Be overwhelmed by His presence. I promise you it will be the greatest thing ever. See, heaven does not devalue. Heaven does not decay. And thirdly, heaven does not diminish. It is always increasing and everlasting. The presence of God is always increasing and is everlasting. And in heaven, we will be in the presence of God forever. See, there are trials in this world. There are precious in this world. There are pleasures that seduce us. But in heaven, there will be none of that. And we will be in the presence of the King Most High. See, when you are seduced by pleasures and you are experiencing pressures, know that Jesus awaits in our inheritance. A little bit of history for you. Um, if you didn't know, for all the youngins here, that Spain used to be a superpower of the world. In the 15th century, Spain was the greatest force in this world. And they uh, made these gold coins and it had the saying, no plur ultra, and it meant that there is nothing further why? Because they thought they were the center of the universe, that they were the greatest thing in existence, that they were the greatest force ever to be seen and ever to be seen. And they re but they quickly realized as they explored more and more that there were other people, that there was a far greater earth than they had ever ma uh, imagined. And they actually changed the inscription on their coin to plur outra, and it means there is more beyond. See, so some of us live with there is nothing further. Are you here tonight and you feel like there's nothing further? There's nothing further in my bank account. There's nothing further in my marriage. There's nothing further for this life for me. There is nothing further. I have nothing left, Michael. You do not know, know how far I have fallen. I want to say there is more beyond. Why? Because we have a Savior. Why? Because we have an inheritance. Why? Because heaven awaits you and I. See, why do we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, because there is more beyond. Will you fix your eyes on the more beyond? Don't get concerned with there is nothing further. Fix your eyes on the more beyond, and I promise you, you will see the miracles of heaven in your life. We are not home yet. The promise of heaven, of our inheritance, is certain. Why? Because it is kept by the power of God. It is kept in His hands. Your inheritance is secure. Your inheritance awaits for you. Your inheritance will never perish, spoil, or fade. Why? Because it's kept by the power of heaven. It is kept by the power of God. And we will see more glory. We will see more joy in this earth. Why? Because the Bible says we go from glory to glory through Jesus Christ. Glory to glory, joy to joy in Jesus Christ. And He gives it to us freely. See, there's this principle that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. I'm going to say that again. God is most glorified in our lives when we are most satisfied in Him. We will experience everlasting joy if we are satisfied in Him, if we are rooted in, him, in His inheritance, in His power, in His authority, in His perspective. We will be most satisfied when He is most glorified. See, heaven is not devaluing, heaven is not decaying, heaven is not diminishing, but heaven is also not distant. See, God gives himself to us here and now, and that is why our inheritance 
begins here and now. We have the presence of God. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And then our inheritance doesn't just begin one day when, it begins here and now because we have access to the storehouses of heaven. We have access to a heavenly perspective. We have access to a perspective which changes our lives, which transforms us from the inside out. Why? Because Jesus is alive and Jesus reigns in heaven. See, the, the word says that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We have been raised up with him. We need to change our perspective. We need to change the way we live, the way we act. We do not have to fear. We do not have to worry. We do not have to go back to that pleasure, back to that sin that seduces us. Why? Because we are seated with Christ in heaven. We are with him. It's that difference between living for eternity and living from eternity. See, it needs to change the way we live. We don't live as people in this earth that are by the currency of the world. We live as foreigners in this earth and citizens of heaven. We live with the economy and currency of heaven. We're going to do a little bit of an analogy, and I'm going to need, Ron, will you pick up that side of the rope? Okay, we got a, we got a big guy called Big Roo, and that is the world. And between the two ribbons, that is our lifetime on earth. It is that small. And I'm going to ask Michael, will you come pick up the rope right by this step there? Now see, if we had to base ourselves on the economy of this earth, that little bit there is our time on this planet. And the rest is eternity. And if we had to base our strength on this earth, Ru, I'm going to ask you to give a little tug on the count of three. And a little tug, I mean pull. One, two, three. Our strength will fail. We will toil. We will strive. But we will fail. Thank you. Give, it, give them a round of applause. They're going to stay there, though. But I'm going to ask Travis, will you join Mike on that side? Mike, stay there. Join Mike. See, when we, add, when we live by the currency of heaven, God adds grace to the story. Henry, will you please come join there? See, when we live with the perspective of heaven... God adds authority to the story. Nick, will you please join that side? See, when we add, when we walk with the perspective of heaven, God adds confidence to the story knowing that he has already done it. Lawrence, will you go to that side, please? See, when we walk with the perspective of eternity, God adds victory to the story. See, it is the difference between living with a perspective of the world, living with the perspective of that tiny speck in eternity, and living with the perspective of our heavenly inheritance, which is in eternity. And I'm going to count on the count of three. Okay, Rue, you're going to give it your best effort. One, two, three. Go, boys. <laughs> this doesn't go how I thought it would. Too. There you go. Give them a clap. You guys did so well. Go sit down. Go sit down. It's a silly example, but I hope that it gets into your hearts tonight. Will we live with the perspective of this world or will we live with the perspective of eternity? Because when God adds grace, when he adds victory, when he adds faith, when he adds his steadfast presence, there is more than we can dream or imagine in our inheritance. 
I'm going to close with this story, is there was this uh, Christian missionary couple, and they went to Africa, and they were there for a while in the early 1900s, and they had spent everything they had. They had spent everything they had. They had nothing in the bank account. They had no inheritance. They had no pension. They had no retirement fund, and they were weary. They were downtrodden, and they, they were just downcast, and they decided that they would return back to America, that they would return back to their homeland, and they were expecting this welcome, but on that same boat was the President Theodore Roosevelt, and he was getting all the attention. He was getting all the attention. There was fanfare. He had an entourage. He was being served uh, delicious meals all the time, and they were getting none of it. And the man's heart got downcast, and he said, why, why did we do this? Why did we toil in vain? Why did we run for God's kingdom? Why did we try in vain? And his wife said, no, no, don't, don't think like that. Don't think with this worldly perspective. Just fix your eyes on Jesus. But still again, he saw all the pleasures that Roosevelt was getting, and he saw all the fanfare that Roosevelt was getting, all the attention. And when they landed, there was absolute fanfare in that port. There was absolute fanfare. Everyone was there to see Teddy Roosevelt, who had just gone on a gaming hunt, come back home. And see, so often we can live with this perspective that home is on earth. And they came back, and all that was waiting this couple was their dog and their mother-in-law. That's all that was waiting for them. Teddy Roosevelt got all the applause, got all the honor, got all the praise, and all that was waiting for them was a dog and their mother. But they went home, and the, and the husband was weeping, and he just said, this isn't fair. Why does God deal with us this way? It isn't fair how God is dealing with us. And his wife looked him in the eyes and said, I think you need to go settle some things with God. So he did that. He went to his room and he prayed and he prayed. And a little bit later, he came out and he was smiling and he was beaming from ear to ear. And he was, still had tears in his eyes. And his wife said, well, what changed? Why are you smiling like that? And he said, well, God settled it for me. He said, my boy, you are not home yet. My boy, you are not home yet. See, we need to live with this perspective that we are not home yet. There is a homecoming that awaits us. There is an inheritance that awaits us, and it will never perish, spoil, or fade. It will not devalue. It will not decay. It will not diminish, and it is not distant. It is in Jesus Christ, and it is prepared for you in advance.